as we have been gathered into worship, we've gathered around the font, the waters of baptism, and now we gather around the Word. I invite you to open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. 2 Corinthians is in the New Testament, and so after the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, and then 1 Corinthians, and then 2 Corinthians. This is a a passage that will start with a a so-from-now-on kind of statement. And if you go to the next paragraph, it's since then or therefore. And you can keep going back basically through all of 2 Corinthians and you keep finding these. The focus of the letter is on the message of Christ's reconciliation. And so we're going to dip in in one spot, focus there but to know that this is part of a greater whole of focusing on the reconciliation of Christ between God and the world and from neighbor to neighbor. So as we come before God's word, first let's pray a blessing upon the word. Will you join me in prayer? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. By the power of your Holy Spirit, illumine the scriptures to us, O God, that in them we may find your truth, that we may find conviction and confidence, and that we may be empowered to be your ambassadors in the world. In the name of Jesus we pray, amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 through 21. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us this ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I'm curious how many of you recognize the person that will appear on the slide. Anybody know who that is? I'm back, by the way, so you know, you're going to be bombarded by, by nerdy science fiction references. Anyone know who that is? Spock's father. Yes! Oh, I love you all so much. Yeah, that's not Spock, although you see the pointed ears and uh, the Hebrew character um, Sheen for Shalom, which is actually where actor Leonard Nimoy got this hand signal from. Um, no joke. Live long and prosper is a tie to Shalom. 
But this is Mark Leonard playing Sarek, who was Spock's father in the Star Trek science fiction saga, making appearances in the original series, which is what I was raised on. And then as I grew old and rebellious, I started watching The Next Generation, where Sarek also makes an appearance. But when I first uh, met Sarek, watching, you know, recorded Star Trek episodes on VHS tapes, yes, those were the dark ages, I was curious exactly who he was. And my dad explained that he's Spock's dad. Okay, I get that. And they kept referring to him as Ambassador Spock. And so I'm watching Star Trek, so I asked my dad, well, well, is an ambassador, is that, is that a higher rank than a captain or is it lower? Because as a kid, I'm trying to figure out, is this guy like in charge of Captain Kirk or is Captain Kirk in charge of him? Much like when I asked my parents, what's bigger, a bushel or an acre, farm kid, um, my dad had to explain to me that they're, they're not exactly the same. This is kind of an apple and orange comparison. A captain has command of a ship, a captain has people um, that, that they're in charge of, um, but Sarek is an ambassador. He's not a captain, it's not a rank, though it is a title. And so I asked my dad, well, if, if an ambassador isn't a captain, if he doesn't have anything with, with Starfleet, then what exactly is he? And I will always remember my dad explaining to me that an ambassador is someone who goes from one kingdom and is sent to another kingdom to have a presence there, to build relationships, and to share what he knows in his kingdom, to share that with another kingdom, to be the representative of a king or a leader from one kingdom, and to be sent out to be the representative of that kingdom in another land, among different people, building relationships, trading with one another, trying to understand each other's cultures. This is the work of an ambassador. Now, we understand ambassadors in very, in very proper ways today with foreign dignitaries and um, embassies and everything else. But the practice of having an ambassador is very old. It goes back to ancient Greece, ancient Mesopotamia. So Sarek is simply embodying an age-old tradition of a kingdom sending a representative to another place. An ambassador, Ambassador Sarek, was sent from the Vulcans to Earth to be an ambassador between one kingdom and another. Of course, in that case, it was, you know, one planet to another. But the Apostle Paul uses this word ambassador only a few times in the New Testament, actually only in, in Corinthians and Ephesians. And, and some of that makes sense. If you see on the map next, this is a map that will give you a picture of all of Paul's missionary journeys. So throughout the Mediterranean, starting what we see on the far right Jerusalem, Judea, and spreading out throughout really the known world at the time for, for the Apostle Paul. And of course, you can see, because Connor's going to play with some of our technology and show you that Corinth is right around there. This is not a rhetorical question. What do you see about Corinth? What do you notice about that area? It's an island. So it's surrounded by sea, which is important because a lot of people are traveling by boat at this time. What else do we see? Trinity? 
Yeah, yeah. It, it, in fact, it's like, it's almost like the first part of Greece that you're going to get into. It's like in the middle. And so Corinth, as a city, with trade routes by sea and with access to the rest of Greece, Corinth was a center for ambassadors to live. This is a familiar thing for the church in Corinth. They understand this word ambassador because there's all kinds of ambassadors that are trying to build relationships with Greece that live among them. But now the Apostle Paul is very careful to make a point that we are Christ's ambassadors. That there's no rank or aspiration, there's no higher or lower, but we are Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us. Verse 20 is both a huge blessing and sounds like an incredibly lofty spiritual task. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. To think that God would make his appeal through us is both honoring and humbling. And so, first of all, we urge or implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Know what it is to be reconciled, but then to be sent out. When Jesus spoke the Great Commission and instructed us to baptize people of all nations, we're being sent out to all nations, and this is what an ambassador does. If you know Jesus Christ, that he died and rose again, if you believe in your heart and confess that Christ is Lord, then you are Christ's ambassador to wherever you are sent. From one kingdom, the kingdom that Jesus preached and spoke of when he was here on this earth, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, you are an ambassador from Christ's kingdom sent out into the world wherever you are. Whether you're at work or on vacation or at the store, you are sent out as Christ's ambassador. And what do you do as an ambassador? You represent your kingdom. You speak on behalf of the king as if God were making his appeal through you. Your words, God speaks through you. You speak on God's behalf. Now this sounds intimidating in some ways, but also it's very accessible. There's all kinds of different ways that we talk about uh, when we get sent out. But an ambassador is actually, I find, a somewhat comforting one. Because an ambassador speaks within the terms that the king gave them. To negotiate, to build relationships. But every now and then, an ambassador would have to go home. And that's not a failure. That's not out of shame or that they weren't a good ambassador. But an ambassador would be sent out and they would negotiate and build relationships. But eventually the relationship would build to a point where they would need to know more. Perhaps new things come up and the ambassador would have to go back to their king, return to their own kingdom, and speak with the king and the council, and then be sent back out to continue their work. We are Christ's ambassadors. We are sent out to speak on behalf of Christ and, in fact, to represent Christ in the world, wherever we are. And so the spiritual question is, how do we do as ambassadors? How do we do it representing Christ and speaking on Christ's behalf wherever we are? Because ambassadors, as everyone in Corinth would well know, 
are very carefully watched because they are, they are the window to another kingdom. And so their every move is watched, which could be a little bit intimidating, living in a bubble. But also, it's not just a performance. It is a presence of a kingdom. We are called to be Christ's presence in the world, sent as his ambassadors. And every now and then, it means that we have to go back. But it also is a reminder that we are sent. We are gathered here, but we are sent out. The word for ambassador is very similar to the word for elder in the New Testament. Presuos versus presbyteros. Very small difference. But an ambassador is not just the call of of elders or pastors or deacons, but the ambassador is a call for all of us. And so the word being so similar to the word for elder, presbyteros, is once again something that is honoring but not all that alarming. Because what the two words have in common is this root, not necessarily around being old, because you can be an ambassador when you are young, too. It's not about age, but it is about maturity. As we grow and learn, we learn how to better represent Christ. So whether you are young and you know that Jesus died for you and rose again, you are Christ's ambassador wherever you go. And you're going to get asked some questions, and you'll have to figure it out along the way. But if you talk to some of the other ambassadors who have been at this for a while, those in their 70s and 80s and 90s, they'll tell you also that they know that Jesus Christ died for their sins, rose again, that they have eternal life, and they're still figuring it out along the way. But this is a call to grow in maturity, that ambassadors are sent out, they work, they do their best, And then they come back to be refreshed and built up again. One way to think about this is on the next slide that we'll see. That there is a cycle to this Christian life of being Christ's ambassadors. Now I know I'm completely stealing this image. I'm colonializing it because it's the old reduce, reuse, recycle. But there is a rhythm to the Christian life of being Christ's ambassadors. We are gathered here in an authentic community, both for worship, to, be, to, be, to give our praise to God, in our life groups that we can commune with one another on a deeper level and relationship, with those who we pray with, those who we have close relationships with. That authentic community piece is part of it. But then we get sent out with radical obedience to always be Christ's ambassador, to be representing Christ on Christ's behalf and on Christ's terms and growing in our maturity and ability to share Christ with the world. But this also requires a reflective lifestyle. What do I mean by that? I certainly do mean prayer and Bible reading. But also, if we are to be Christ's ambassadors, it means that part of our reflective lifestyle is taking time to be with God and to wonder how we're doing. Are we growing in our maturity? Because much damage is done by those who believe themselves to be ambassadors but never take a moment to reflect on their life and walk with Christ. You could think of examples of this where, well, I just say whatever I want because I represent Christ no matter what I do. Not quite true. 
but to take time. And this also happens in community where we build one another up. We help each other learn. When we are at our best, we are helping each other learn and training one another as disciples. This isn't original to me. This is uh, taken directly out of a, a denominational initiative, the Ritter Church Renewal Process. A few of the team members are saying, I knew I knew this from somewhere, or they already knew where it was from. But as Christ's ambassadors, we need this. We need time together to celebrate baptism, to be fed at Christ's table, to worship God, to be refreshed in God's presence. Just like an ambassador would so cherish the time when they would get to go home and be in their kingdom. This is meaningful time. But the end game is not to stay here and be comfortable, but to be sent out with a radical obedience to represent Christ and to always be engaging in a reflective lifestyle where we are growing in our maturity with Christ. Because as we grow, we remember that our sin, this is going to be maybe theologically pushing it a little bit, but we're going to unfold it in future weeks, so stay tuned. And the Timmer family guests that are with us, well, Ross and Kristen will report in if we unfolded this or not. But if you have been saved by Christ, your sin is no longer a salvation issue. Because we already heard from the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, Christ's reconciliation means that our sins are no longer counted against us. Our sin will not jeopardize our salvation, but our sin is a maturity issue. Our sin is a maturity issue. And as we grow to be, ref- as we grow to be effective ambassadors, part of that work is done in the reflective lifestyle of even remembering such words as the old has gone, the new is here. This is who I really am in Christ. That in Christ I am a new creation. In Christ, I am reconciled to God. In Christ, I am given the ministry of reconciliation. In Christ, I know and see that God is reconciling the world to himself. Therefore, we are Christ's ambassadors. Now, this all takes place in the next slide you'll see under this idea of reconciliation. That the community that we share the obedience with which we are sent and the reflective lifestyle with which we grow is all done that we can be sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, representing Christ's kingdom to the world. This is good news. This is good news to be shared. And if it is who we truly are in the core of our being, if we belong to Christ, then this is the cycle of our life. I do wonder... As I see, I would say, the next generation, I don't mean that as a Star Trek reference, although I know Denny Druger appreciates it. As I see the next generation coming up, I wonder what kind of ambassadors they'll be. And of course, I also wonder, along with all of you who are right in the middle of it, how we'll continue to learn and grow. When we're using our new space, what kind of ambassadors will we be as we not only go out, but also as we welcome people in? And teach them about Christ's kingdom, which is not of this world, but is in this world. I wonder today, as baptisms always make me a little bit teary-eyed, what God has in store for Luke Timmer. What gifts will he have and share? 
Who will bless him in this congregation? And who will he also bless? I know he'll be a classmate of my son, and I hope they get along well. I hope they're buddies. But I can't help but wonder what God has in store for Luke and the ways in which that little one will have his impact on the world. But I do know and hope and pray in earnest that this will be a core part of his life, that this community, both at large group and in smaller groups, will be an authentic part of his life, and that he'll learn to be Christ's ambassador even just through knowing the simple truth that Jesus died and rose again for him, and that everything said over him in baptism is true, and that he'll learn this reflective lifestyle from Ross and Kristen and from his family and from us, that he'll learn that it matters to spend time with God, to ask God to give him wisdom and strength and guidance and perseverance, that all of this will be true for Luke as he learns and grows what it is to be Christ's ambassador given the ministry of reconciliation. God picks all kinds of ambassadors, some strange ones too. God picks some long-haired, tattooed ambassadors to be sent out to rough crowds who are most contextually like them. And God calls and sends out the straight-laced, goody-two-shoes ambassadors, which are best sent to the Pharisees that are just like them. God sends out old ambassadors who are full of wisdom, often more than we assume. And God calls and sends out the young ambassadors who have a kingdom vision for this world that should not be discredited or tossed aside. God sends out the loud and bold ambassadors who are the life of the party and always have something to say. And God calls and sends out those introverted, quiet ambassadors with their silent strength that if we take a moment long enough to shut up that we'll hear a consistent word of wisdom from them. Ultimately, God sends out all of us as ambassadors, to represent Christ's kingdom in the world. For he has committed to us the message of reconciliation and the assurance of this good truth, that we might become the righteousness of God. And all of this, not because we're avoiding the penalties from a wrathful God, but because we are embracing the fullness of life given to us by a loving God, full of grace and truth, who wants us to experience life to the fullest. And the fullest measure is the new creation, where the old has gone, the new has come. And so be sent out. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.